Welcome to the ASCA Viewpoints Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the student conduct profession in higher education. I'm Jill Creighton, your Viewpoints host. Today's episode features Nicole Garcia-Diaz and Jeff Bates. Nicole and Jeff served as the ASCA Presidential Graduate Interns for the 2017 conference year, and so I'm really excited that they're going to be speaking to you today about the needs of graduate students and new professionals in the field. I hope this episode is valuable for those of you who hire and supervise GAs, because I think they offer some great insight about their generation of professionals and the current needs of their colleagues in terms of supervision and kind of connection to the field. Nicole Garcia-Diaz is a residence director for a freshman hall at St. John's University. Originally from Miami, Florida, she graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Education from the University of Miami and a Master of Education in Student Affairs from the University of Maryland College Park. During her time at the University of Maryland, she was the graduate coordinator for student conduct. Nicole is also a new dog mom of an adorable rescue pup from Puerto Rico named Goya. Jeff Bates is a second-year graduate student in the College Student Development Program at Appalachian State University in Boone, North Carolina. There he serves as the graduate assistant for residential education where he works with academic events, faculty partnerships, assessment projects, and the residential curriculum. Encouraged by his passion for student conduct, he has had the opportunity during his graduate career to intern with the Office of Student Conduct at Appalachian State, the Student Development Office at Lee McRae College, and the Office of Student Conduct and Academic Integrity at the University of South Carolina. Welcome to the podcast, Nicole Garcia-Diaz and Jeff Bates. Thanks, Jill. Thanks for having us. So glad to be with you both today. Uh, So for the listeners out there, Jeff and Nicole were actually selected as last year's board of directors. So this would have been February 2017 presidential interns that were at the annual conference. And we had such a good experience with them. I asked them both to be on the podcast today to talk mostly about graduate assistant needs and graduate students becoming new professionals in the field today. So before we dig into all of that, though, I think if we can start with Nicole, what's your journey into higher education? How did you get where you are now? Yeah, so for me, I feel like I had a pretty strange journey because I knew I wanted to go into student affairs starting in high school. I think only because I was asking everyone that I could possibly speak to what they were doing, and uh, I had the opportunity to go onto a leadership program. It was a week long over the summer. I think it was called Economics for Leaders. And the director of that program was talking to me about something called Higher Education Administration. And I literally had her write it down because it sounded great uh, and went into college and not really knowing what that meant, but telling people that that sounded interesting. And the more that I learned, the more I got involved uh, being an RA and in different organizations, I felt like it was an awesome it. had the opportunity to go to graduate, graduate school at the University of Maryland and finally in the field many years later now. So um, it's definitely been a, a journey, but a, a fun one nonetheless. And Nicole, you are uh, just about a full semester into your first full-time position? I am. I can't believe how the time has flown. Um, I felt like we just started for, for RA training, but yeah, already closing out the semester pretty much 
Excellent. And Jeff, how did you land where you are? Yeah. Um, well, unlike Nicole, I did not um, know in high school. Um, I know some people who are a similar path, and that's it's always so fun to hear. Um, I I graduated from undergrad with an e- education degree, actually, originally. Um, I've always kind of known I wanted to be in education in some capacity, but I guess what that looked like, I wasn't totally sure practically. Um, but I ended up graduating with my education degree in undergrad, uh, there were pieces of education that I really enjoyed, but I really wanted to look for something where I could work more one-on-one with students. So I ended up applying to a whole bunch of different graduate programs, including some school psychology programs, some counseling programs, some educational psychology programs, and then some student affairs programs as well. And it wasn't until I actually went through the process of interviewing for some assistantships that I was looking at that I really, I really just fell in love with student affairs and got a really broad picture of what that could look like in the future for me. I went to a really small undergraduate uh, institution. It's called Lebanon Valley College. So um, we have some wonderful staff members there, but student affairs just looks a lot different there than it does at a larger institution. So there were offices. Um, gosh, when I um, accepted... Um, the offer to come to Appalachian State, where I am now, there were offices that I just did not even know existed because at a small uh, liberal arts institution, a lot of times you have one person who's doing a lot of those positions. Um, But I ended up really just falling in love with the student conduct office when I came here as well and just kind of seeing some of the work that I do. And it, it just blended a whole lot of things I was really interested in. So in terms of Um, The educational piece I was really passionate about, as well as having those one-on-one interactions with students. Um, There's a piece of, like, counseling or helping skills that's in there, uh, as well as working with college student development, which is just such a cool and exciting time for students. So it really just happened more by chance, but I would not change a single thing about it. It's been fantastic. And what inspired you to uh, apply for and eventually end up becoming the ASCA Presidential Interns? I was, when I came in fall semester of my first year of graduate school, I became a member of ASCA um, because I I knew that was kind of the path I wanted in the future to get involved with student conduct. Um, And I just got a, I got an email about some of those scholarship opportunities and stuff that fall. And it was really just some conversations I had with some staff members here in the office, as well as some of my um, faculty members. And I'm lucky enough to have especially two of my faculty members that teach me have been really involved in the student conduct field. Um, So really just getting a lot of insight from them about the field and has just been absolutely amazing and a valuable resource. Uh, So as soon as I heard about the opportunity, I was ready to jump on it. I thought it was just a great opportunity to meet professionals who are in the field now and get a better sense of what it would look like uh, in the future. Um, and I just I really wanted to experience what it would what it would look like to be a part of um, ASCA, uh, and it was such a wonderful experience just being surrounded by all those professionals in student conduct and really just affirming for me what I wanted to do after graduation for sure. And Nicole, how about you? Yeah, so um, in my graduate program, I was lucky enough to get uh, an assistantship in student conduct at the University of Maryland College Park and. Actually, really fell in love with student conduct as a path. That I really didn't think that that was something for me, interestingly enough. And I think the more and more I got to 
you in my chip, um, my supervisor and everybody in the office um, there at Maryland really encouraged me to, to get more involved and to look at the opportunities. And so when I read a little bit more about it, uh, I, similarly to Jeff, just kind of jumped in. Uh, and I'm so glad that I applied and went. I feel like not only the, um, the opportunity to attend and to see that, you know, presidential intern, but also just going to the conference. And I, I just talking to other individuals in the conduct field in particular and learning from them, um, it was just awesome. So many, so many nice folks over there. So I uh, couldn't have had a better, yeah. And how did being in the boardroom and being at the conference kind of change or broaden your worldview about the profession? For me, I would say that, so um, I guess in my assistantship, I was able to adjudicate cases of uh, it was a non-academic misconduct. Um, so I was really thinking of students in the individual sense and how can we help them move forward in their own development, um, which is so important and a great first step. But I think going into the boardroom and going to into that role helped me think big picture about the field and how are we systematically doing this in a way that's beneficial. But I think it provided a really balanced look at, at how we do this and, and the, the reasons why and, and not just at my institution or just the students that I was working with, but how can we make changes that help prepare all of the student professionals and how can I, you know, work to improve myself and sort of look at that from the, you know, uh, like ASCA standpoint, I think was, was awesome for me. And Jeff, how about you? How did the experience at the conference um, kind of change or broaden your perspective on the profession? In terms of just broadening my perspective, I think I had, through working with the board directors, just had the opportunity to meet people who worked in so many different areas. So being able to talk with people who, one, have been working in the field for so long, but also people who may work with uh, private institutions as opposed to public institutions, as opposed to um, community colleges and people who are engaging um, our partners internationally. And so it's just a really good opportunity to see how student, how broad student conduct is, in a sense. Um, and then also just practically some of the behind-the-scenes work that the board of directors has to do to really just keep the organization moving forward as it grows was just really um, enlightening for me. So just working through, you know, working through policies and bylaws and working on the financial pieces, and that was just a piece that you, you, you know happens, but until you're really in that space, um, you don't really have the opportunity to experience it like that just firsthand. So it really, I would say, having the opportunity to get more of that hands-on experience with some of the nitty-gritty of running an organization, but also getting an, getting the opportunity to interact with people who work within student conduct, but just across the board um, of different ways that it, guess, it manifests itself within higher education. And at the end of the day, everyone in that boardroom is just a human being trying to do the best that they can for the organization and for the profession. Um, and I think some of our listeners who are members, it's, it's a good little glimpse behind the curtain that, you know, we, we sit in a room and we're just trying to figure it out along with everyone else. But um, hopefully what we put out for the membership is helpful or helps people learn or grow in some way. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. 
So one of the things we asked you both to do at the conference in 2017 was to put together a presentation on kind of the scope of what it means to be a graduate student in 2017, as well as what are the needs of graduate students and how can student conduct officers do better at developing our grads. So can you talk a little bit about what you presented to the board, as well as um, kind of how you've thought about that or maybe reflected on it since you presented it to us? Uh, I guess I can jump in. Um, I think one of the biggest things that Jeff and I spoke about when we were preparing for the presentation was this idea that how we reframe how we're speaking to student affairs or higher ed graduate students about conduct. There's been a bit, obviously, of a spotlight in conduct nationwide. I feel like really using that to encourage students to really consider it as a path forward in student affairs. Uh, can be really beneficial and we can get the best of the best. I think for me, it was speaking to um, one of the teams who actually described student conduct as a way to have contact with students when they're really in a vulnerable place and help guide them maybe the first red flag when they're going through something challenging in college and then help them get back on track before something more serious happens. And uh, what drew me to student affairs in the first place was that it, idea that this really is a helping profession to assist students in their development to help them grow and think about their role on campus, but also in the greater scheme of things. And so um, I hadn't considered student conduct as a way to do that. For me, I was like, oh, like, you know, people who are getting in trouble, I'm not sure that that's for me. But thinking about it that way, you know, I feel like a lot of people in student affairs want to make that impact. And in conduct, really, they come in in a place of vulnerability where there is that possibility, and I was actually really surprised when I started um, doing student conduct in, in graduate school that while I could count on my hands some students who really didn't want to, to talk or to kind of dig in with me, a lot of the students were really open to, to having these important life conversations. So, you know, just letting grads know that this is actually a really, really cool option, uh, first and foremost, was one of the important things to me when we were talking about it. Jeff, how about you? Yeah, and I would jump in um, and just say, gosh, just in terms of, I think there's a balancing between um, the student development piece that happens in student conduct as well as the um, legality piece that happens in student conduct that can be very difficult for not only, I think, professionals to understand, but especially graduate students who are looking to get into the field and working on that balance between, um, like, laws and mandates that govern the work that's done in student, uh, student conduct specifically, but also being able to still focus on the student development piece and how uh, student conduct really just has the ability to enact that change in students. And, and what Nicole was talking about as well is just a really great point when it's, um, I think a lot of times when people who are unfamiliar with student conduct hear about student conduct, um, they think it's just super adversarial and a lot of people just like storming out upset. And not that that doesn't happen from time to time, but it really is just a great opportunity to really like work with students and, and think about decision-making and thinking about values and beliefs and, and how all of those tie into the decisions people make. Um, and there are just so many examples of that going well that I've seen um, that just, it just make it, as, I mean, that's 
that's why I want to do this work for that change. So, but there is a balance then between that student development and that legality piece um, that I think is is really important and especially confusing for graduate students who are looking to go into conduct and balancing the both of those. And then I would also say when it just comes to kind of like new trends and stuff with graduate students, and it's more just in general with higher education, there's a lot of stuff when it comes to like social media and the impact that that has on students, but also in a student conduct realm. And that's that's huge in ways that that's changing. And um, I know resiliency is also something we talk about pretty often and how we can hold students accountable and still encourage resiliency as they're moving forward. Um, and so I think those are things that graduate students coming out of student affairs, higher education programs now are really well-versed in um, and looking for uh, ways to apply that in the future, definitely. So when you both think about your peers and your graduate cohorts and maybe other graduate students you've met across the country, um, what are you hearing in terms of interest uh, in student conduct specifically or training needs in student conduct? I think it always kind of starts out with that conversation of explaining why I'm interested in it, kind of starting there. I think in terms of training and stuff like that, Jeff was really talking about something important that you know, kind of that apprehension of obviously there's a lot of change happening nationwide um, that does directly impact our field. So ways to really communicate how is the field dealing with that, um, how, you know, as potential newcomers into student conduct, what is expected, what's that liability look like, um, what is it like to work with lawyers and things like that. And so just kind of being being um, transparent with the grads about how this stuff impacts the day-to-day and what it would mean for them if they decided to go into student conduct. I feel like that's definitely something that's helpful. Uh, And then I think for me, some of my fellow grads who were actually interested in conduct, their institution didn't offer a student conduct assistantship. So, you know, thinking about the possibility of having that be something, maybe if uh, institutions have that possibility or thinking about if we can offer more graduate internships for students who are interested just to give them um, an idea of uh, what it was actually looking like. I know when I started, there are so many different things that really aren't covered in student affairs programs because there's so much to cover. But for example, everyone's style in adjudication looks different and you don't really know that, or at least I didn't really know that until I got to shadow a few different people and then kind of start that conversation on my own. Obviously, the policy is the same, the structure is the same, but how I go about that is very different from, I would say, anybody else. So kind of thinking about how we can prepare students for that so that we can have the students that we're working with have the best experience possible. So thinking about all of those things, all of those opportunities for shadowing and kind of learning about different institutional philosophies, what advice would you give current supervisors of graduate assistants to help make the experience uh, as germane and robust as possible? Well, I think a piece of that that Nicole was talking about is huge when it just comes to shadowing. Um, I think of the first time I shadowed someone through a case and I shadowed them a few times then before I would start hearing cases. And, and as I started hearing cases, there were pieces that worked really well and, and then other pieces that didn't work well for me and worked well for someone else. So being able to just really 
if you're a supervisor who has grads, just making sure that like they're able to experience different people who have different styles of working through some of those meetings, I think it's huge because um, it really just helps people and especially graduate students to develop their own style for how to how to engage in those meetings, right? So even working to identify like what are your values and what are your personal beliefs and why do you want to do student conduct work and then how does that tie back to how you hear cases and how you interact with students Um, because it's different for different people and there's no one right way to do it. Uh, So that's specific to adjudication. But then I think just in general, um, as much as I would say um, federal law allows, just allowing graduate students to be a part of meetings um, and be a part of committees and just sitting, sitting in on stuff has been huge in like my development when I think about being open up to new areas, uh, even areas involving like academic integrity in which I didn't have much experience, but just being able to like sit in those spaces um, and occupy those spaces with people um, who do that work has been huge. So really just, I'd say trusting your grads and giving them that space to kind of explore is just one of the best ways to start developing those skills for the future. I think that's some great advice in terms of just throw the experiences out there and see what kind of sticks. Um, and Nicole, do you have similar thoughts or anything else to add? Yeah, uh, I, I absolutely agree with everything that he was talking about. The other thing I was thinking about while you were talking, Jeff, was this whole idea um, that we laughed about a little bit of uh, a lot of students who are going into graduate school right from undergrad, if they come right from high school, um, the phrase adulting comes to mind. So, um, hashtag adulting. Hashtag adulting. Uh, <laughs> so really, how can we uh, support the grads doing that? So they're put in this very interesting um, place of all of a sudden having maybe some conduct responsibilities, but maybe they've just graduated from undergrad. And so what does it mean to do that uh, how can we kind of help them find that balance? It is really a fine line because they're put in this very professional position. They'll likely have to dress professionally for work, uh, but they're still very much going to classes and learning themselves. So how can supervisors be supportive of that kind of strange space to be in? But then, you know, even I know one question I got when I was a grad, at least right when I started, uh, no, actually I still get that question now, is like, how old are you? Um, Because a lot of us, some of us may look a little bit on the youthful side. And so just navigating those interesting conversations and the things that come up with that, but still letting them know that that's kind of what Jeff was saying about like trusting um, the grad that it really can be an awesome experience that can add new perspectives to the field of conduct if we're allowing these students to um, really find a, a passion in the field for it. I think you make an interesting point there, Nicole, about uh, being questioned often about your age, because ultimately the kind of subtext of that question is, are you qualified or judging your qualifications? So how have you managed to navigate that conversation with attorneys and with parents and with other administrators? Absolutely. For me, it was working with my supervisor so that when I went into that room, even with attorneys, I knew the policies backwards and forwards. You know, I may look young or be young, but there's no question as to my knowledge on this specific case and how the policies relate to it. And so I think that took um, time. When I really, when I started my shift, I did a lot of reading and highlighting and asking questions. And then 
um, when I started actually adjudicating cases, it was um, with my supervisor, and slowly I was able to do them on my own. But it was really a process to get me to that point where I was 100% confident, number one, because we want to make sure that the students that I was working with are um, had the best experience, right? Uh, obviously, we want our grads to learn, but we have to think about the, the students that are going through the process. Um, so making sure that the training process, it does take time out of the supervisors, but I think it is so worthwhile. Um, and even, you know, for the supervisors out there who are considering taking on a student conduct grad, um, having a grad be a part of the office and, and working is actually such a great benefit. I think they'll be able to bring in theory into the conversation, maybe think about educational developmental sanctions that the office hadn't had before. Um, so there are a lot of benefits, uh, even though it will take a little bit um, time. So for me, really, in thinking about questioning that, like, are you really, you know, trained to do that, is, is putting the time in um, so that I was able to comfortably say, and without question, like, no worry, and just kind of lead them through the process. And Jeff, have you had similar experiences? Yeah, I have. And I, w- I would say the only thing I would add, and this is something Nicole and I have talked about as well, is like knowing those policies are huge, especially, you know, for those people who are just starting in a position um, and just starting like in a graduate assistantship within there, but also knowing the why behind those is huge. So you know, you might have a full understanding of those policies, but also understanding, like, why. So, like, why this specific policy may be against our code of conduct, but why is it against our code of conduct, right? So, like, what's the reasoning? Um, how does that affect the community? And then even when you move into, I think, the sanctioning phase, like, understanding the purpose behind each of those sanctions is huge and then does a lot I think to like build the confidence of that person, really regardless of where they are, but especially for graduate students who are, you know, hearing those cases, enacting those policies, and and helping to, you know, work with students with those sanctions. I think understanding the why behind those things is also huge. And then the other thing I would add is just I think, and that's a piece of the supervisor's role then is just encouraging those students that there is still, there's an advantage that they have by being young, I think, in that position. So there's certainly people who might may like question whether they know what they're doing or, or whatever that looks like, and that certainly happens. But there's also a piece of relatability that I can have with a student that maybe someone who's been in the field for a lot longer has to work a little harder to have just naturally because of age. So there's a piece of that that I think students at a graduate level should be encouraged to, like, use. And, like, that's great that maybe in some circumstances you can really level with that student. And because, like, I understand what it was like to be an undergraduate student not too long ago. Um, So being able to just kind of relate to that student is also a big strength, I think, that graduate students have. And it's one of those things I think sometimes you need to be constantly reminded of as well. That and grads are great for not having to go to Urban Dictionary to figure out what something means. (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) Sometimes it doesn't always work, but (laughs) language changes really quickly, especially in a social media generation. Mm. 
So I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about job searching. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, Nicole is in her first full-time position and Jeff is a second year grad. So he'll be gearing up to enter the field full-time, um, hopefully in the spring. So Jeff, this is like your audition for every job interview ever. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> no one's listening, right? Um, right, right, right. But I'm wondering if you, Nicole, if you can reflect on and Jeff, you can kind of gear up for what What's the job search process feeling like these days? I haven't been through a first-time job search in a little while, and many of us who are hiring grads may have a little bit of distance from when we did it ourselves, and I'm, I'm guessing that it's not exactly the same as it was then. So what's it like these days? Well, it feels stressful. <laughs> um, no, so I think what was interesting, one of my supervisors told me, um, I thought this really put into perspective in that most other job searches that you'll do in the rest of your life, um, you'll have a job and you'll just be looking for the next one, which kind of relieves some stress because, you know, if it takes a little bit longer, that's okay because you still have yours versus after grad school, it's kind of like, when's it going to happen? And so uh, I think that was something that was helpful for me. I think in terms of what's it like now, I know uh, TPE is really huge. That was something that was helpful for me. Um, in the job search, and then I was kind of living on higher ed jobs. Um, That was kind of my route there. And then I think, and this really won't have changed, but networking was so, so important to me um, and and talking to people in the area, uh, like geographically that I was looking for and um, getting out of my comfort zone and and meeting new people was helpful. Uh, I think ASBA was something really, really great because I met so many kind people who were uh, sometimes I, I was like happily embarrassed by it, but they would introduce me and be like, she's looking for a job, which I think is always so um, sweet, even though I was embarrassed at the time. And so, uh, yeah, happy to say that I did find a job, find a job and I'm, I'm really enjoying my time here. And I do have a, a conduct component in my role, um, which has been awesome. But Jeff was super supportive while I was going through uh, my search as well, which was very sweet, as was the rest of the ASBA board. So. I'm going to out myself as one of the people who publicly said, hey, she's looking for a job at a, yeah. a local conference because um, Nicole and I are in the same geographical area right now. Um, but Jeff, what's it like on the other side right now? You are currently gearing up to search. Yeah, you're right. Um, I appreciate the reminder. That's always good. <laughs> no pressure. I, <laughs> um, yeah, for me, it's just, it's, it's different. So conduct positions, I feel like, are not always on quite as predictable of a schedule as some other positions in other functional areas are. So there are other, a lot of my friends who are looking for housing positions, you kind of know the general timeline of how that's going to work. But there are some kind of positions that just open like randomly in the middle of September or February or so you kind of have those in between there. Um, So understanding that for me, it's just been a lot of, I would say, patience and preparation. Um, So the patience piece is just uh, really, I think, for me, informed by the fact that there are, even when I look at my um, journey through undergrad to now, there are a lot of pieces that um, I worked hard and prepared for, but I, I hadn't really anticipated things would work out the way they did. 
Uh, and in looking back, I wouldn't do anything different. So there's a piece of that patience piece for me that's just reminding myself that, like, like I'm going to end up where I'm supposed to end up. I think it's huge. And then also preparing, right? So um, Nicole mentioned living on high-red jobs. Like, that is that is something that's bookmarked, right, on my um, on Google Chrome for me. Um, so something I can randomly check in on and, and try to get some updates. But also being in a place where I think it's tempting out of graduate school to just feel like you need to get a job. And so being really cognizant of that and being really intentional about looking for schools that um, have values and beliefs that align with my own. So I can just really, whatever work I'm doing there, I can really enjoy doing that work there. Um, especially in institutions where like all of the work ties back to the mission and ties back to the values, their core values and vision and stuff. Um, so that's a piece for me uh, that's just been huge as I look to, uh, as I, I guess, continue to go on the job search then for next semester. And then just a piece of, a piece of that has been continuing to um, network with some professionals who are currently in the field, not just um, in the hopes of getting a job through them in the future, but really just to learn from them. Um, and I've spoken with a lot of different professionals who work in like, different environments of student conduct, and it's just been invaluable when I think about like the knowledge I've learned and how that's really helped me narrow down like what, where I see myself working in the future. Um, so really trying to network as much as I can just to get an idea of what, what conduct looks like in different spaces um, in totally different environments and in what environment I think I might work best in. I just want to note for the audience that before Jeff and Nicole had become the presidential grads at the conference, they actually didn't know each other. And so it just makes my heart warm and fuzzy to hear that you've stayed in contact and that you're friends and you're supporting each other. And so if you're listening and you're not an ASCA member, this is what we're really about. We're a big professional family and you might meet as grad students. And then 10 years from now, when we check in with Jeff and Nicole, they might say, oh yeah, we're still chatting. Um, and it's something that we just hear over and over and over again. So I just wanted to note that because it made me really happy. <laughs> and I would say, like, I could not agree more. I think that was one of the things um, that stood out to me the most about ASDA. And kind of tying that back to the job search, when I interviewed with my current position, someone who was interviewing me was like, did you, were you at ASDA? Because they heard me uh, introduce the keynote speaker. So very happy about that. I felt like that could have only helped. So excellent. Um, all community was uh, helpful. Yeah. So as we wrap up our conversation, uh, do you have any stray observations or thoughts for any current conduct professionals as they consider how to best support their grads? Sorry, Jeff. I thought I was going to let you jump in first. Um, I think one of the, the biggest things is that um, I'll, I'll speak for myself, but you know, really wanting. A lot of grads go into student affairs because they want to make that sense of purpose in the role. Um, and it, it's possible for some of them who are thinking about conduct that everything happening around the country or maybe there are one or two policies that they don't quite understand is helping them connect those policies, their values, or help them think about it in a different way or maybe it does connect back to student safety or something like that. So um, for me, it's just kind of helping them really identify what their values are and then looking at, you know, this feel, this niche through through that lens um, was, that was really helpful. 
that my supervisor did for me. I will give a public shout out to Andrea Goodwin on that one. Um, so Andrea is our current Garing Academy chairperson, um, and she was also one of Andrea's supervisors at University of Maryland College Park, along with a, a large number of our other members. Jeff, how about you? Straight observations or final thoughts? Yeah, I would just say um, Nicole touched on the values piece, which is I think is just huge. So. Um, just working with your graduate students to try to figure out like what it is they really value and, and what about student conduct work specifically they really value, and then being able to translate that into practically how does that look um, when, you know, daily when you're hearing cases uh, or when you're working through a conduct board and how do all those things come together and how can we, you know, connect those values to outcomes and learning outcomes for students who are going through the conduct process. Um, and I think that just makes, uh, gives graduate students more ownership in the work that they're doing. Uh, so I think that piece is huge. Um, and then just really encouraging them in, as I would just say, lifelong learners in some sense. So there's sometimes this perception that you really, you have to know everything in order to do student conduct work, but really just work in general. Sometimes there's this pressure to feel like you need to have all the answers, Uh, but just understanding that there's a piece of that that's not true, right? And there's a piece, there's a piece of something that you just don't know, and there's someone else who knows it, and you have those people in the office who you can go to and feel open to go to for feedback and just to get advice on certain things and just, just bring something and say, like, hey, there's this case that I've really, I'm really not sure what to do here, um, and just being available um, as a resource, I think, for those graduate students uh, is, is really invaluable. And, Jeff, I, I did one on behalf of, um, of Nicole, but do you want to give a shout-out to anyone specific who's helped you along the way? Gosh, um, well, I don't know how much time we have. Um, <laughs> this, this is not an Oscar but, acceptance speech, but you know what right. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I would say there are some people specifically at Appalachian, including uh, like James Lancaster, James Lorello, um, David Elrod, Judy Haas, Diane Warriold. So just, I would say, a... Um, a large mass of just people who are highly influential within student conduct and have a passion for it, but have really also just been able to see it evolve over time. Um, And just so working with those professionals and having them be my mentors in many senses has just really been um, a great opportunity, great experience, and and really ties back to some of the things where um, I wasn't even sure I wanted to do student conduct when I came to Appalachian. And then coming here and having all those resources who work here in this space has just been absolutely amazing. And Nicole, did you want to add anyone to your shout out list? That is super, super hard because the list is long. But I think in the rest of the student conduct um, office, James Bond, who encouraged me to apply. And then my two other super uh, advisors, Matthew and Vanessa, who were stellar, but Literally everyone over there was so helpful in my um, journey. And both of you have had the complete joy of being raised in student conduct by senior leadership who have been past presidents of the association. So both at Maryland College Park and Appalachian, we've got ASCA past presidents in those senior positions. So it sounds like that philosophy and family has kind of carried through. Absolutely. Uh, But in the spirit of lifelong learning, what are you both reading right now? So I picked up a book at the airport the other day um, by Cheryl Sandberg because I really appreciate her. Um, And 
loved it. And I um, actually just shared a chapter with my colleagues. We do like an article a week with my fellow residence directors. And I instead gave them a chapter of a book, which I'm not sure how excited they were to read a whole chapter, but <laughs> um, they really enjoyed it. Uh, it's called Option B. And so it's not necessarily about higher education at all, but it talks about um, like building resilience and facing adversity. And uh, I feel like in conduct is so, so relevant in helping our students, but also just personally, she wrote the book after her husband passed away. Um, so it is, a little, I wouldn't say heavier because I think it's um, a great quick read, but just a really good way to look at um, life and how to kind of get up after a hard time. And then there's even um, the chapter that I shared with my coworkers was about failure at work, which I'm really passionate about, um, how important failure is. And I think that's definitely relevant in uh, the field of student conduct when our students are facing some struggles that maybe they haven't faced before. Mm-hmm. And Jeff, what are you reading? I try to go back and forth between some higher education specific books and some that aren't. So I just wrapped up reading through um, Foundations of Higher Education Law and Policy by Peter Lake, which is fantastic. But I'm currently working on um, reading through Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. And it is, if you have not read it or heard of it, it is absolutely amazing. Brian Stevenson is an attorney um, who founded this nonprofit, which is a legal practice, which helps defend people who are um, poor and wrongly condemned. And a lot of those people are people who are on death row. And it's just, I would say, eye-opening and heartbreaking all at the same time. So it's just a really good, deep, honest look at, I would say, like race in America, as well as some intricacies of the criminal justice system in the United States. And I'm about halfway through it, and it is fantastic and very powerful. That sounds like a great read for folks to add to their social justice reading lists um, in a way that kind of helps us understand our own profession better because we are modeled after criminal justice systems, even though we are not criminal justice systems. Yeah, that's a great point. But in any case, I'm, I'm so glad to have you both on the podcast today. Uh, you've given, I think, current conduct officers a wealth of information on how best to support graduate students. So if people have follow-up questions for you or just want to say you did a great job today, how can they reach you? So uh, I'm really good by email. Uh, and my email is NicoleGCS593 at gmail.com. And... Yeah, and people can get a hold of me. I would say email is best as well. Um, for me, it's Bates, uh, Jeff Allen, and Allen is spelled A-L-A-N, at gmail.com, um, as well as Twitter is something that I always tell myself in, like, um, waves of every three months that I should be more active on. <laughs> so that's one of those things that I'm trying to do. So, And that is also, you can find me on Twitter at um, Jeff Allen Bates as well. And you're Jeff with a J? Jeff with a J, yes. All right. And if you'd like to reach the podcast, you can always email us at ascapodcast at gmail.com. That's A-S-C-A-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com or tweet us at ASCAPodcast. Thank you both so much, Jeff and Nicole, for sharing your viewpoints today. Thanks so much for having us. Really appreciate it. Have a good one. 
Next week on the ASCA Viewpoints podcast, we welcome Adon Tejada. Adon currently serves as the Chief and Director of Public Safety at St. Mary's College of California. He also currently serves on the IACLEA Board of Directors as the Director for the Mountain Pacific Region. IACLEA is the International Association for Campus Law Enforcement Administrators, and they serve both police officers who work on college campuses and campus public safety professionals. I hope you come back and join us. This episode was produced and hosted by Jill Creighton, that's me, produced, edited, and mixed by Colleen Mater. Special thanks to New York University's Office of Student Conduct and Community Standards and to the University of Oregon's Dean of Students team for allowing us the time and space to create this project. If you're enjoying the podcast, we ask that you please like, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps others discover us and helps us become more visible in the general podcasting community. If you have suggestions for future guests or would like to be featured on the podcast yourself, please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at ASCA Podcast or by email at ASCA Podcast at gmail.com.